0: Hello and welcome to The Learn It Podcast, a weekly conversation with global education leaders for people who are passionate about the future of learning. I'm your host, reporter and author, Jenny Anderson. My guest today is Nirmit Parikh, founder and CEO of Apna, an Indian jobs and networking platform serving the massive gray and blue collar workforce. I met Nirmit at a conference and was immediately struck by the opportunity his company is tapping, as well as some of the challenges. Apna has raised $190 million and says it has 25 million users and 350,000 recruiters. Companies pay APNA to provide job applicants for jobs like welders, electricians, hairstylists, and accountants, and many other professions. At the same time, when applicants fail in a job interview, APNA identifies the skill or skills they were lacking and provides a way to build those, either in a 24 to 72 hour course on something like Excel pivot tables or a longer training course. Once candidates get upskilled at APNA, it guarantees the candidate a certain number of job interviews. If those don't result in a job offer, the applicant gets a full refund. The company also hosts a massive networking platform for a group of workers that did not previously have such a network.
1: When you live in a country of billion people, outcomes matter. Nobody will go for education for the sake of education.
0: We cover a lot of ground in this episode, from employment as a tool to unlock poverty and accelerate education, to the state of the ed tech market, the Indian ed tech market, and how many parents in India now see entrepreneurs as a legit profession in a country that typically prized its doctors and engineers. We talk about how the company has used the site to push gender equality or neutrality, as Nirmit says, silver linings from the pandemic, seeing the best in humanity, and the very challenging balancing act between being a pirate and a Navy captain. I hope you enjoy the episode. Nirmit, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for inviting me. So I'm going to read you something that you said to Bloomberg not too long ago after a mega fund raising round. You said, We are solving the biggest problem in the world. And if successful, we will not just remedy unemployment, but also poverty, healthcare. And education of the next generation—that is a ginormous statement. How are you going to do that?
1: So, if you see the top three or four problems of the world, right? If you solve for unemployment, basically you are also helping people get daily wages back home. So you are uh, solving for poverty by default. Every day, by the way, we talk to north of hundred thousand users one on one on chat. A lot of times, when they find jobs, basically because of the job, they send us thank you letters. And because of you, thank you so much. You know, I can now go and invest in my kids' education. So, you're solving for education for the next generation. And by default, education is a problem that will now get solved. And thirdly, very interestingly, we have also gotten notes from people that given I got my job, I could go and pay for my mother's surgery or my father's operation or healthcare expenses. You're also selling for healthcare expenses throughout the family. So, if you see all the major problems of the world, by default, are getting solved like education, healthcare, poverty, and unemployment. And it's like we believe that you solve one and it will have ripple effects across all the problems.
0: And jobs is the main vehicle through which to do that. If you start with jobs at the top of the umbrella, everything else trickles down. Yeah. When we met at ASU GSB in March, the big question for you that everybody wanted to know about was monetization. How are you going to monetize this? You told me recently your revenue is doubling every month. Tell me how you make money.
1: So Upna is a jobs and a professional networking platform. So the most obvious answer for monetization is going to be jobs. You basically charge X dollars per application. So that's one way, which is a no-brainer way to make money. And that is going very well. On that side, we are doubling our revenue month on month. But if you think of Apna more holistically, we also have a community. And we also have an option to build a skilling platform. Say today, the entire uh, screening interviews, the job interviews happen on Apna platform. And we see that majority of users go and fail this interview. And when users fail this interview today, we say, go and apply to another job. But this gives us a unique opportunity to go and upskill the person for the skill set which this user failed. So let's take an example. Say Nirmit is an accountant who is applying to Jenny Anderson and company for, let's say, an accounting job. Nirmit is making 9,000 Indian rupees per month, and the job is 15,000 Indian rupees. And the skills which Jenny and company need is, say, sales text, bookkeeping, and pivot tables with Excel. So when Nirmit goes and applies to the job, we basically take the entire test on Apna's platform based on the skills requested by the recruiter. And Nirmit passes everything, but fails the test for say, pivot tables with Excel. Today we say, Nirmit, we cannot help you. Sorry, you failed the interview, maybe apply to other jobs. But now we have unique ability to say that, okay, we saw that you passed everything, but you failed pivot tables with Excel. This is a skill which you can help you develop in the next 48 to 72 hours. We'll teach you that with the experts. And then you go and get the job which you are trying to apply for. So that is amazing. I'll tell you why it is amazing. One is it's very surgical tech approach, if you see. A lot of times when people say that you go and take this horizontal course, you may or may not get a job. There's a heavy investment. See, a lot of people are user-based don't have enough spare money to spend on education. The money they spend on education comes from their Food, from their basic hygienic lifestyle and everything. So it's all hygiene money that goes out. So keeping that user base in mind, we want to ensure that A, we allow them to upskill only on the skills which they need to do. Secondly, it is also very concrete in terms of outcomes. See, when you live in a country of billion people, outcomes matter. Nobody will go for education for the sake of education. We can also now guarantee outcomes because we can say that, okay, you apply to Jenny Anderson and company, that this was the interview missed, will give you that interview for sure. And we can also find other 15 companies which actually allow you to show your pack of skills and get guaranteed interview. So we can somewhere go and guarantee the outcome in terms of the interview. And the most important thing here is that we start now building the skill map of the user. So next time the user comes on the platform, we can basically help them find a much better job. So all these three things kind of go in tandem. And this is very unique when it comes to tech, because if you see most of the tech companies today across the country are plagued with higher customer acquisition cost. And if you see Apna's model, we have basically zero CAC. Actually, we are a negative CAC business because we make money with jobs. And when users go and fail this interview, that is the point of time where we are going to go and pitch them the right tech course exactly at the right moment and in the right proportion. So it's the right SKU size for that user.
0: Now, there was a peer-to-peer component that kind of organically grew up. But what you're talking about is creating skills training that is a revenue stream, am I right? Yeah, yeah. And where are you in the evolution of that? Sort of how many skills are you training for now?
1: So we just started it. We are launching our first one for telecallers. That's a big cohort. And we see a lot of people feeling basic English. We see a lot of people feeling good communication skills. A lot of times what they require is just a boost of confidence. And those are a few things which we can very quickly upskill them for in like 48 to 72 hours. And think of this as small upskilling sessions, which we empower them with. And once they have that, they can go and apply to these
0: jobs. And how much would one of these mini upskilling 72-hour courses cost?
1: Again, very early to say we are running our experiments, but the, the mini courses will not be more than like 500 rupees. So so think about them as like 6 or $7 at max and with like at least three to four interview guarantee outcomes. So it's much cheaper than a college education plus with guarantees. And then we are also, what we also realize is also sort of cohort, which needs much larger skill training. For them, we are trying to do like a 20, 21 day course. Think of this as a career launch course where we help them launch careers into different fields and stuff. And that would be costing around 150 to $200 at max.
0: So when you think of yourself, do you think of yourself as more LinkedIn sort of digital hiring platform or more Coursera, which is sort of online learning and training or just some kind of very unique combination of the two? So I would say we are like the
1: apna of the world (laughs) (laughs) and we are neither a LinkedIn or a Coursera of India. I I would say that we are apna of the world because it's a very unique approach, right? Rarely we have seen ecosystem plays building up and that's what we see at Apple. Apple is an amazing ecosystem play where you have an iPhone, and on that iPhone, you have an app store, and on this app store, so basically, you make revenues from multiple streams. So, think about this. Apna is a jobs platform, which is our first ecosystem. When people go and fail for job interviews, we go and teach them why our skilling ecosystem. So, that's a second ecosystem, which very cohesively interacts with the first ecosystem and very symbiotic. Then, we also have a professional networking platform. So, what we realize is, see, me and you, we went to good schools, good universities, and we have built our own cohort or tribe. When when we are stuck in something, we go and reach out to these people who help them. But most of these people don't have this cohort. And helping people build this cohort was actually also the genesis of UpNight. I can talk a bit about that story, how it kind of all started. So I want people to go and build those cohorts. So if I'm a carpenter in Delhi, I find all the other carpenters in Delhi where I can go and exchange ideas. I can learn from them. I can go and advise them. A bunch of peer-to-peer stuff that can happen. And that is also the third ecosystem or superpower of now and what is beautiful about apna is all these three ecosystems don't fight each other they cohesively play into each other so for most companies whenever you start monetization right it becomes a friction into the marketplace for us monetization is a booster to my marketplace for example when people fail for interview and we help them go and upskill them for their first job it actually allows more and more users to come and apply to more jobs and basically also more and more recruiters to get more and more valid candidates. So it nothing but it helps my ecosystem grow stronger and stronger. So unlike for other companies where where basically monetization becomes a friction for us, it becomes a lubricant, which makes this three flywheels very cohesively interact with each other. So so that's very unique to uh, Apna. And taking a step back, talking about the story about why this prides and this networking matters more in this segment than the white collar segment, let's take two people, right? Say there is Rahul who is born in Delhi in a affluent family. And there is say Nazma. She is born in 15 kilometers away from Delhi in Ghaziabad. Now, Rahul goes to a good school has friends who also come from good and successful families will go and complete the education. will get the job. Now his friends are also at powerful places. So we'll give them more and more job opportunities and Rahul's career will keep growing. And that's a successful flywheel looks like. On other side, Nazma, she comes from a family which is struggling with money. At the age of 16, she is forced to stop education because somebody has to make money for the family. So she stops education. And every single time she's struggling to find the right job, she, does, she didn't went to a good college. She, didn't, she does not have good friends at powerful places. And because of that, she cannot also find the right opportunities at the right time. And she is always under this vicious cycle of failure and like day to day running after money and and also success. So if you see Rahul has this virtuous cycle and here there's this vicious flywheel. And if you see both are super smart, but they were just born on the same day, 15 kilometers apart, but just the ovarian lottery decided how their life is going to look like. What we want to do is we want to create this arsenal for People like Nazma, because if you see in today's India, both Rahul and Nazma have a smartphone and an internet. Can we go and create a level playing field for Nazma? So when Nazma comes on the platform, she finds her cohort of people and friends whom she can go and interact with, ask for jobs, ask for advices, do a lot of peer-to-peer upskilling and can keep growing in the career. And that's one of the core block that incentivize us
0: to go and build up now. And what made you think about the blue and gray color workforce? Because that's not where people typically move in this space. Obviously, that's become a sort of competitive and comparative advantage, quite frankly, because you've carved that space out. But sort of did you spot the market as the opportunity or the platform, and then suddenly the market became clearer to you?
1: So let me first just answer the question from a strategic standpoint, and then I can use the story. See, and, and, and that's the challenge with the world, right? I call this systematic discrimination. There are 3 billion people as the global workforce. Out of that, north of 2 billion people are in blue and, and, and gray collar segment. And every time, if you see this 2.3 billion people are always systematically discriminated. And I will tell you why. Because all the tools and softwares, everything every entrepreneur wants to build, they want to go and build for the white collar workforce because they have higher per capita income. And that means it's a bigger market. So less and less tools get developed for this workforce. And and again, you see virtuous cycle of progress and vicious cycle uh, happening on the other side. So A, systematically, this, this segment is discriminated however i didn't start to be very honest i didn't start it i want to go and solve something for this segment see for me if you see my entire journey of life most all the companies have been very serendipitous i have never started a company for the sake of starting one it has been like a problem comes across your life you go and solve for this problem and you realize oh there is this company on the other side of the problem And as i said right unemployment education poverty these are like three big problems of the world so even if I think about these problems are too big for a single individual to go and solve for it. So it never started like that. Uh, What happened is during 2018, hiring was a big problem for my first company. And also I've seen this problem across all the other companies I've worked with or dealt with. And I wanted to really solve the problem of hiring. And so I ended up building a quick prototype that allows my company, which is an SMB, to hire faster. And I realized that my prototype was working like 10x faster than all the other solutions which income budgets were providing. So I said, this is interesting. This solves my problem. Maybe this can really solve more people's problems, but but I really didn't want to start this company because I just done to solve my own problem. So ended up basically writing to a bunch of companies inside the space and trying to meet founders or early team members of this company. And when I met people who worked at this companies or who started this companies, two things became pretty evident to me. Everybody inside this ecosystem was building for the employer, the recruiter. And everybody thought candidates are this warm bodies, which will just come. And when you think of any marketplace, right, the balance of power is very important or the marketplace is not going to work. Today, the best marketplaces work because there is, say, an eBay or an Uber or an Airbnb works because they've figured out how do you balance powers between the stakeholders. So one, I saw a heavy imbalance of power. So that was the first thing. The second interesting thing which I saw is everybody, when they were talking about building this company, they were calling themselves to be a tech company, but they were building tech-enabled operations company. And building an operations company inside the space is a kiss of death. You can build a great lifestyle business out of it, but you cannot build a venture-backed, scalable business out of it. You have to think something which is extremely product first because the unit economics are not going to work out. So I was flying back after meeting these people from Bangalore to, to Ahmedabad and on the flight, I was thinking, like almost north of 90% of India is under the segment, and nobody's thinking about it right. Why not go and build this company? However, yes, from a business standpoint, now this looked very interesting. Serendipitously, I got the idea. I strongly believe in something which is called founder market fit. Am I the right founder to build something for this space? And I really wanted to try out because see, this is not a company you can build, you know, sitting out of a glass office in an ivory tower. You have to really understand the user base. That is how you can go and bring and build solutions which cohesively work for them. So I ended up going undercover. I've been a shop floor guy. I've been an electrician. I've been a foreman. I used to kind of sneak into this chai places, being a warehouse person. Just go and talk to people, understand how they work understand what motivates them, and more and more, I spent time with these people, I did realize a couple of things. One, most of these people, they don't have a resume, but they have skills. And every other platform was building things for resume. Think about your watchman. Think about your home cleaner. Oh, give me a resume. Who asked for resume? No, they don't have resume. They have skills. So we have to build a skill-driven jobs platform rather than a resume-driven jobs platform. So which is the fundamental building block. So we do have resumes today on APNA, but the fundamental building block is skills. On skills, you go and develop and build a resume from your skills. So that's the first thing we do. Second, what I realized that majority of jobs platform inside the country, not only come from formal sources, but also come from a network. You always know a person who knows another person who can go and help you with the jobs. And that is why this tribes, this networking piece really, really matters. So that was the second piece that got connected onto the platform. And so, so first is your skill-based jobs platform. On the top, I layered the community, or you can say it's your networking platform, which allows you to go and find your tribes interact with. And where also a majority of a job liquidity also comes from the tribes. And the third thing I realized that there is a big skill gap between people when they go and apply to jobs because of the skill gap we want to go and upskill these people. However, these people don't have crazy amount of money to go for a college degree. And it is also unfair to force them to go for a college degree when we cannot go and guarantee a job. So from that standpoint, we said, okay, can we go and build this upskilling sessions which we just started? And that's the third ecosystem which we layered. So all these this three things serendipitously coming through and that is where I decided to, to go and solve for the problem. Now, if I think that if, let's say independently in an alternate world, if somebody gave me this problem, then with you want to go and solve for jobs and unemployment and education, I would say, no, that's too big problem for anybody to go and solve for. But organically, all these things came in place. And that is why I always believe in, you can call it God, force, destiny, superpower. If I look back, all my other companies, have all been about this elements of universe coming together and making me do things. And I'm a firm believer in that.
0: Let's go back to the beginning. It's January, 2020. You found this company, COVID hits, jobs fall by 95%. Did you panic?
1: Yes, of course, I panicked, the team panicked. So so I, I clearly remember, right, COVID hit and Apna is a three month old product at that point of time in March, 2020. And jobs are, every single day jobs are falling down and when lockdowns were imposed, jobs were almost to their most minimum. And of course I was panicking, the team was panicking, we started this company, what's going to happen? And given we are a jobs company, the first thing which at that point of time, which we thought is let's understand what's happening on the user side of the thing. So what we did, we had around 30,000 users at that point of time. We individually talked one-on-one on chat or on call with this 30,000 users to understand what's happening on that side of the ecosystem. And as we spend more and more time, what we realized is this is the point of time where our user base needs us the most. If there was any time to start this company, this was this time because A, most of them have lost jobs. They're struggling for jobs. And if we can, as a jobs platform, we can support them. This is going to be the time one. The second interesting trend, which we saw, we, we started this company and we designed it for SMBs to start with. But because of this lockdown and everything, the human to human marketplace for jobs started breaking. Generally, you always, you know, one person knows another person who will bring together the people that marketplace started falling apart. So all these enterprises now started looking for digital means to hire. And what we saw is we saw a very sharp rise of enterprise jobs, which was actually not our cohort to start with, but they started coming on the platform and then the SMB jobs started coming in. And of course, what we saw is switching types of jobs instead of hospitality jobs, which we saw more and more logistic jobs coming on the platform. So the job type got switched, but jobs then started increasing. So that was one very unique thing that happened. The other unique thing that happened, which also kind of, you know, enforces perspective of building community and tribes on the platform is as hospitality jobs were going down and healthcare jobs were increasing, logistic jobs were increasing. We saw a lot of users in these communities interacting with each each other. We saw healthcare ward boys trying to help the hospitality, like hotel uh, bell boys to teach them how to do this basic healthcare work and upskill them for like as peer to peer for free and helping them find the right job. Now that for me was an amazing silver line, right? Like, you know, this is when you say humanity, right. Is there humanity works. So during the hardest of times we, we saw a lot of silver linings across these gloomy days and that just nothing but enforced on us. And also I always believe, you know, this is this hard times test the core for you as an entrepreneur, test the core for a team, And I think so we passed the test well, because this is only times where you can go and go back to basics, really go and innovate on those pieces.
0: So what's happening now with the Indian economy and the job market? I mean, here we have sky high inflation. The stock market is getting hammered. The advice from VCs is just don't die. What's happening in India?
1: So if we see today on APNA, jobs are on all time high. So jobs are increasing significantly couple of things happening, right? One, it is not only that the jobs and economy are increasing, but also as our user base and more and more recruiters are now trying up now, that is why the inflow of jobs is increasing. So we have not seen that flattening of jobs so far. Other interesting trend, which we have seen is we have seen the type of jobs have changed, right? The amount of logistic jobs have increased significantly. We see significant rise in healthcare jobs. We also see rise in work from home jobs. Never ever, at least in this segment and also in the SMB segment, people were okay for people to work from home. But now we have seen this unique trend of that small SMBs with 10 or 15 people as employees are also okay for their employees to work from home, which is a very interesting trend. And what does that encourage is we see a lot of more women applying to jobs because a lot of times say if if you are a housewife your kids and you are struggling to find a job which works for part time you can work from your home now given these jobs are opening up the amount of women applying to jobs has increased by 30 to 40% since last year for me that's a very positive trend because that is allowing women to be independent the increase is 30 to 40% for women what portion of all job applicants are women i don't have the exact number but around 25 to 30% of applicants are women when it comes to these jobs.
0: And that segment is growing very
1: fast. That segment is growing very fast. And for me, that is very encouraging because it just opens up the avenue. See, a lot of times it's just about independence, right? You make some money, you get more independent. You have stronger voice in the home and it's all psychological a lot of times. So I really feel that is a very interesting trend. And we have also seen the job interviews which women take are actually also more better than majority of male counterparts. So I'm very happy to see that thing opening up and I'm I, I hope that this nothing but keeps flourishing more and more. Sorry, when you say they're getting better jobs, you mean higher paying jobs? No, job salary is standard, right? But the number of tests which they pass, the score they get is much stronger than their male counterparts. So can you imagine this person was much smarter but was never given that opportunity, but now this opportunity is coming up and we are opening up these opportunities. And my ideal case is I want to get to this 50-50% ratio. I'm trying to push my team and given we are in this blue and gray coloured segment, which is extremely male focused, like how there are not many welders. You will see like, so, so, you know, initially we used to have this, when these people used to post jobs, they used to call delivery boys. And we went back and we said, why do we call them delivery boys? Because by default, if say a woman looks at the job portal, and looks at delivery boys by default they are not incentivized to apply to that so we are now helping people say that okay we'll just say delivery partners see this is a unique opportunity which we have to bring in those changes then we used to have photographs of welders go and google search welders you will all see all male welders it was difficult to find women welders we actually went across Ahmedabad we've actually found one or two women welders and we took their photographs and on the welding category, we show this photographs. So we want to incentivize. See, a lot of times you just have to see it for you to visualize it so you can go and apply to their jobs. And when we see women security guards, women welders, the percentage application increases significantly. Again, I don't think see as a jobs platform, we cannot manufacture jobs, but whatever small things which we can do to help bring in, as much as more gender neutrality, we try and go and bring it.
0: Can't be it if you can't see it. And I love that you are proving with data what many women have often felt to be the case, which is that they are smarter, but they don't get as many opportunities. And you're actually measuring the skills and then looking at it against a job placement. You are targeting all 2.3 billion people in what you call the emerging working class. Meanwhile, there are now a lot of APNAs of Malaysia, APNA of Vietnam, Popping up. Is this annoying to you or is this just future potential MA and kind of good for the world?
1: I think so. It makes me happy actually to see that because the core reason to start up now is to solve for the mission. And as I always see, right, it is going to take a village to solve this problem. This is not, you know, one man or one company job. And what I see is the village coming together, one. And it's also potentially good because when, when this company are taking the core apna model and innovating on that, because every country is going to have their own culture and nuances, which just entrepreneurs are trying to go and solve for, it creates potential m and route for us as we kind of go and, and build in future. And also, given they learn from us, we also get a good way to go and learn from them. So I think so. Finally, that is going to help us to just take the world forward to a much better place.
0: So you have a lot of cash in the bank right now. I think you said about 150 million dollars, just did a big fundraise. What do you see as the biggest threats to your growth right now?
1: So if you see, Upna nice, is a beautiful ecosystem play where each ecosystem, like the jobs ecosystem, feeds into the community ecosystem, which feeds it into the education ecosystem, which we are now building. Now that means you are focusing on three ecosystems at the same time. So just bandwidth for me, for my leaders and balancing between these three ecosystems is the hardest thing which we have to do. And that keeps me up at night. How do we go and balance these three ecosystems in a way that they keep flourishing each other versus having a negative impact on each other? So I think the biggest challenge or biggest things that keep me up at night is how do you go and balance bandwidth between these three ecosystems? And the way we do this is how do you scale decision-making inside the company? So when we see people talk about how do you go and scale products, but scaling decision-making as your product scales is also very equally important. And we strongly try to do that. Like, And the only way to scale decision-making when you go and build a team which is smarter, better than you in all the other aspects, and that's what we are doing. So I would say all of my leaders are far smarter and better than me at each of their individual components and their team is actually smarter and better than them at each of their components. So that is one way we draw and solve for the problem of bandwidth and balancing between these ecosystems. So talk about how your own leadership has evolved in this. When we started, we were a very young, dynamic team, very hacky. And the idea was speed was our ultimate mode, right? How do you get things faster? So think of us as like pirates at that point of time, because pirates is a small set of people who will just figure out a way to get things done and will prioritize speed. But if you see pirates are not organized and as we go and scale the company, right? So from say a seed stage to a stage where we are, it becomes more and more like a Navy. If you get like 500 pirates in the room, they are going to kill each other. And that's what you see in majority of movies. But as you want to go and build a Navy, the challenge with a Navy is a building a Navy is hard. It's very process oriented, but navies are very slow. They take time in moving. So how do you balance agility between say, a Pirates and Navy, and how do you go and balance it? So if you see Apna, certain ecosystems are in Navy mode. For example, our jobs ecosystem is completely on Navy mode because you've gotten that piece right. It's growing very fast. We started with the emerging working class segment, but we also now see the white collar work is also now kind of coming to Apna and we are doing a lot of jobs there. So that ecosystem is just growing very fast. So we we are going to a Navy mode there when it's community, there are certain sections of community which are in pirate mode and certain sections are in Navy mode. And when you see skilling, it's completely pirate mode. So we try to balance between this so that we have a set of pirates amidst Navy with a very singular task which go and complete it, while Navy does overall alignment of strategy. And that is how also the leadership is also designed. So you will see a leadership is mix of people who come from big, large organizations, and also people who are young dynamic very hacky to get things done creative and and put them into small pods to go and solve for individual functions
0: where do you fall now are you a pirate or
1: are you a navy captain now my biggest learning is like how quickly i can go and change caps so you will see morning i'm on wearing a pirate cap when i'm working with the monetization pod or the skilling pod to get things done and in the evening when we are doing this growth planning go and quickly change the caps and and for me that is also the biggest evolution right of how i have evolved See, as your product evolves i also have to evolve uh, inside the company like uh, in the zero to one stage right if my chair is broken i will go myself and go and fix the chair but if i go and do this right now i'm not doing justice to my time right so i've also evolved a lot and my biggest learning is the speed of changing caps is probably the skill which I want to learn the most and, and also harness the most. How do I go and quickly change caps between Pirates and also between Navy? And the faster I change caps, the faster is better. Also, how do I spend my time hiring? Because I have to also help build this Navy and Pirates. So I spend time, if you say how I spend my time is changing caps quickly and fast so that I don't become like, you know, a block in decision making. And second, helping hire the right pirates and the right Navy so that the company can keep on growing. And again, I don't become a bottleneck in decision making.
0: So right now in the Indian market, all eyes are on Baiju's. It is a giant company It announced it wants to go public. There is a lot that's being written that sort of the the fate of Indian ed tech rests on Baiju's. How important is that IPO to you and to your company? I would say from an
1: ecosystem standpoint, ecosystem
0: growing always helps. And it always helps at at
1: multiple levels, right? Let me start with the most fundamental layer, which is a psychological layer. I'll I'll tell you entrepreneurship was not a son-in-law friendly job. And I'm using the word son-in-law friendly job. So in India, what happens is what job you want your son-in-law to do. That is how the parents of the girls help select a groom. So while I was starting my first company and I was also dating this girl and I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. And they're like, okay, so you're not getting a job. That's why you want to become an entrepreneur. (laughs) And I said, no, I really want to become an entrepreneur because I want to start a company. So entrepreneurship was not super cool. And what the startup ecosystem has done is now like you see mother-in-laws and father-in-laws looking for the son-in-laws who are entrepreneurs. So it's a big psychological change across the society because a lot of times, if you don't see hope, any civilization is always driven by hope. And when you see some people becoming successful, it gives hope to the younger generation to go and try it out. So if you see the Indian ecosystem has evolved a lot, and I would say companies like Flipkart, Buy Juice, going public, Zomato just went public. All these companies create a lot of positive ripple effects in terms of the core psychology of the country. So that's one. Secondly, it will... Now, when we think of the other layers, right, the materialistic layers, it, it also becomes important because the investors who invested into these companies now get good returns. The employees of these companies, their stock options get sorted out and get good returns. So, a lot of capital is now inside. Now, this capital will get reinvested into new startups and that creates a flow of money. But we also have to be cautious because what happens is when too much money flows inside the, any ecosystem, fiscal indiscipline comes. You see a lot of times constraints are very important inside any organization or any ecosystem for companies to innovate and the best innovations have come in the best of the constraints. So it's going to be important for the ecosystem to create artificial constraints. For example, at Apna, given we have fundraised so much and there is a ton of capital in the bank and which is, which is great because that's our destiny or that's our good luck. But in terms of a choice, we have decided to be very frugal when it comes to the uh, the amount of money we're going to spend every single month as a company, because we know that as soon as you put constraints, innovation significantly increases inside the team. So keeping artificial constraints for any company is going to be very important at this point of time, as the ecosystem also matures, because every company and the ecosystem has also go has to go to the maturity cycle, right? And those two things in parallel, I think, are going to be important. So I would say cautious optimism. I would use that word. I'm very optimistic that all these companies are going public, but I would also caution that frugality will be a very important superpower inside the next few years uh, because the companies which are going to be frugal and spend money at the right thing, put the right constraints, the innovation is also going to be much more.
0: So one year from now, will APNA look like it looks right now, but bigger, or will it have some new bells and whistles that we don't know about yet?
1: Like, skilling is going to be a very major part of our next year plan. And we are very excited for them. So, we'll see a lot of more skilling muscle getting built up, which is a new muscle that you want to go and build. Other muscles will keep on growing incrementally. And, and that's the idea. The most important thing is as we have turned over this cars on monetization, how do we go and kickstart the economic engine of UpNow? It's going to be very very important for us for this upcoming year, and we are in going the right direction. We are very excited. Uh, we are very near to that.
0: Fantastic. What is your favorite book about
1: learning? Till I don't need it, I would not go and read it. So that's just me. That's how I think about stuff. I know. I know this is highly unpopular because most of the entrepreneurs will say that we read a lot and it helps. And of course, it does help me. But I'm very surgical when it comes to reading books. So a couple of books which I've started reading uh, right now. I'm reading High Output Management. I'm also reading this book called The Tribe of Mentors. I would have never imagined me reading these two books two years ago. <laughs> so so, so I'm very surgical when it comes to books.
0: And what's your favorite book that has nothing to do with learning? Just a book that meant a lot to you. Uh, when Breath Becomes Air. Paul, Paul Kothkani. And what are you binge watching?
1: I almost watch every series. So the last one which I binge watched was Stranger Things. <laughs>
0: I will tell my daughter, who's 13, and that's her favorite show. (laughs) Nirmit, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure, and good luck with APNA. Thank you so much. My dad was born in the Great Depression and fought in the Korean War. When he came home, he tried working for someone else, which lasted for about 15 seconds. He decided to borrow some money, buy some land, and build some houses. It was a savvy bet that paid off well over 60 years, but my enduring memory of my father was his conviction that jobs are the most important thing that we have to do as a society, and that jobs can really solve so many things. Every project he did required hiring builders and architects and electricians and plumbers. He loved hanging out with these people and took immense pride in knowing he played a role in making sure they had a paycheck. I felt that conviction with Nirmit and APNA. It's a big bet to go after a part of the job market that no one else wants, but it's a smart one when that market is 2.3 billion strong I love the story of how he and his team managed COVID. Remember, it was a three-month-old jobs company when the jobs market fell off a cliff and his undercover work as a chai tea server and delivery boy. I also like how the platform is opening up opportunities for women, showcasing their skills and offering work that fits into their lives. There's a whole part of Nirmit's story that we had to cut which shows that much of his drive and success as an entrepreneur, he founded two companies before Avna, boiled down to trying to get his now wife to marry him. So to all the budding entrepreneurs out there, you need to be solving a problem, you need to have great ideas, and you need capital. But sometimes building for love works too. Thanks for listening. We'll link to the items mentioned in today's podcast in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it. And you can find out more about our community of global education leaders and upcoming meetups by joining our mailing list at learnit.world. In the meantime, stay safe, stay curious,